Let us pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. And God, we know that um, on this morning, whatever it is that we come into this space with in our hearts and in our lives, that we are not alone. And so we pray, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your voice this morning? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as I said earlier, we are in the second Sunday of the season of Advent um, that marks the beginning of the church's liturgical calendar. The calendars that we use day to day mark chronological time. So it's January to December, Monday through Friday, nine to five. And every week I'm always scheduling things into that calendar staff meetings, planning meetings, pastoral meetings, social meetings, running errands. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like my calendar is judging me. Are you on top of things, Christine? Are you being productive? Are you being a good priest, good wife, good friend, good member of the community? But the church measures time in a different way. So the church's calendar is not primarily about what we are doing and accomplishing, but what God is doing and accomplishing, what God has done, what God will do. It's what the Greeks would call kairos time. And it's time not as chronology, but rather time as opportunity or encounter. And what Kairos time does is it tells us the story of a God who has come to rescue and redeem a fallen creation and to make all things new in Christ. And what this calendar does is it invites us to orient our lives to its rhythms and to inhabit that narrative arc so that we might encounter the one who stands at the center of the story. So Advent, um, out of all the seasons, you know, Christmas, Lent, Easter, Epiphany, Advent is my favorite season because Advent always feels right. It always resonates with me every single year. So in Lent, I don't always feel like repenting, you know, like I'm not always feeling that contrite. You know, in Easter, I often don't feel that joyful about the resurrection life. But in Advent, I feel that tension between the light and the darkness side by side. You know, in Advent, I feel the already not yet of God's kingdom, the tension between what is and what I long for. You know, maybe it's the dissonance of an unfulfilled desire. Maybe it's seeing a wrong that has not yet been made right. And it's that tension of living in between these two advents of Jesus, his first coming as a baby born in Bethlehem, his second coming as a returning king. Advent is the wilderness. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Eritrea and Tricon I can never say this, Triconitus and Lysanias ruler of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. 
the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. The wilderness is this image, this biblical image in scripture that is pregnant with meaning. So in Deuteronomy 8.2, Moses says to the people of Israel, remember how the Lord your God has led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The wilderness was the place where the people of God sojourned for 40 years after they left their bondage in Egypt, but had not yet reached the promised land. It's what William Bridges in his book on transition calls the neutral zone. It's the place where we've departed from the shore, but haven't yet reached our destination. Like someone once referred to this as, it's the time when Linus's blanket is still in the dryer. You guys know Linus? Am I dating myself? Do people look at peanuts anymore? <laughs> Linus is this cartoon character who has a security blanket. And whenever you see Linus, he's always holding on to that blanket. But in the wilderness, there's nothing to hold on to. This is not glamping, you know? Like there are no creature comforts in the wilderness and it is barren and at times it's treacherous. And so anxiety levels rise because of the uncertainty. And so what do we do in the wilderness? We build golden calves, we grumble, we hustle to provide for ourselves. We look back on the past and reminisce about how great it was, even when it wasn't. But here's the remarkable thing. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. As awful and uncertain and barren and treacherous as the wilderness is, that's where the word of God comes. And the word of God could have come to the halls of power and influence to any one of those great and powerful people that Luke names at the beginning of our passage. And in fact, that was considered the norm. It's still considered the norm where everybody listens to the powerful and the successful, whether they're in business or in self-help or in the church, who write books full of their words so that the rest of us schmucks can get our acts together and follow their example. You know, but what, what Luke tells us is that the word of God bypassed all of those powerful, successful, learned people and came instead to this strange, gaunt, kind of unappealing character, John the Baptist, living on the margins, in fact, living outside the margins, in the wilderness. And that's how the word of God comes. Like when we're in this place where we don't know what to do, where we don't have anything or anyone to hold on to, when we're stripped of those things that normally give us comfort and security and a sense of our own value and worth before people and before God, and where we're utterly dependent on God and God alone. And this is the opportunity 
and the encounter that Advent affords us, not to resist the wilderness or avoid the wilderness or to try to fill the wilderness with lots of stuff to distract us, but rather a place to encounter the living God. The word of God came. So that, that Greek word for word is rhema. And it stands for God's dynamic action in the world. It's the word that does something. It's the word that creates something, that heals, that frees, that restores, that touches. It's the word that said in Genesis 1, let there be light, and there was light. And what that does is that word reminds us that from beginning to end, God is the subject of the verb in this sentence that God is the primary actor in the story. God is the agent of Advent. You see, words are powerful, right? We know that. Words create realities. Some of the most significant experiences I've ever had in my life are when people have prayed for me and spoken God's word over me, to me, when especially I was in the wilderness. So I have a friend named Abby Mento, and Abby has been one of those voices um, in the wilderness for me over the years. And she has this uncanny ability, I mean, I think she's being led by the Spirit, to text me at the most opportune moments when I'm in the middle of a crisis or really struggling and discouraged or afraid. I'll just get this text from her, like out of nowhere. And so when I've remembered over the years, I would take screenshots of her text and put it um, in, a, in a little iPhone photo folder called prophetic words, because that's what they feel like, prophetic words to me. And so I, I was, I kind of forgot about that folder that I have on my phone, but I looked it up this morning because I was reminded of it. And so on February 17th, 2018, she texted me in the middle of a season of crisis at my former church, where I was feeling all of this pressure and pain and grief in the midst of leading in that season and feeling like I was failing miserably. And this is what she wrote. She said, listening for you in prayer every day this week. Today, as I read the lectionary gospel reading, I sensed this for you. And so first she shares the reading from John. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And this is the word that she gave me. She said, Christine, you have the freedom given by the Holy Spirit to confess freely that you are not God and you're not trying to be, but you point to the one who is. Your truth telling can do that. I ask God what he sees when he looks at you. And this is what I heard, a diamond because she reflects my light a river because she carries my word to those who need it downstream, a tree because she demonstrates my life. 
I sensed a reminder that you are called simply to reflect and give glory to God. And God is delighted because you already do. Receiving that word in the wilderness of that time did something to me because it reminded me of who I am in God and how God sees me, that I am not God, that I can't fill the valleys, that I can't make mountains and hills be brought low, that I can't make crooked paths straight in my life, in anybody else's life, or in the world. I can't make the rough ways smooth. I, in other words, I can't save myself or anyone else for that matter. And that is actually not bad news, but good news. Like God help us if salvation is dependent on us. That is God's work, God's action, God's word, and God will be faithful to do it. God has already done it, in fact, in Christ. And we say this during the Eucharist, where we say, we give thanks to you, O God, for the goodness and love which you have made known to us in creation, that word spoken, let there be light, in the calling of Israel to be your people, in your word spoken through the prophets, and above all, in the word made flesh, Jesus, your son. In response to that word, all I can do is give thanks. That's what the word Eucharist means, to give thanks, where I receive, just simply receive by faith that word as a gift, Jesus, the word made flesh. What can I do in response to that word? I can prepare my heart. I love that Christmas hymn, Joy to the World. It's one of my favorites. And there's a line in there that says, let every heart prepare him room. And that's what the gift of the wilderness is, as hard and as painful as these times are and can be. It helps us prepare in room because it helps clear out the clutter and to just make space and to be still, if even just for this moment, so that we can hear the word that gives life and that heals and that frees and that restores so that we can speak the word that gives life and that heals and frees and restores to a hurting and a broken world, desperately in need of a word of hope. That's the opportunity and the encounter that Advent receives, gives to us. And the question is, is can we receive that gift? And so I wanna invite you now, you know, December is a crazy month. I was just saying to our crew up here, I've been running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And it's like, we still have like, like three weeks until Christmas, you know, and maybe that's where you're at too. You just haven't even had a moment to stop and be still. And so I wanna invite you now just to bow your head. We're just gonna have a moment of silence and just allow that prayer, that Advent cry, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, to rise in your heart. And just to ask that question, what, what wilderness are you in right now? This time in between. What is the word that God is saying to you in this season? as you wait upon the Lord, 
And how might God be calling you to prepare your heart to make room for him in your heart this season that he can come and enter in? God, we come before you this morning. Thank you that you are the God who comes, that you are the God who speaks your word. You are the God who spoke, let there be light, who spoke through the prophets. And now you have spoken in the word made flesh, Jesus, your son. And God, I wanna lift up every single person in this sanctuary this morning every person within the reach of my voice. And God, I pray, would you come to each one in this season exactly as they need you to come? God, I pray, would you come? Would you speak that word of healing to hearts that are hurting and broken right now? God, I pray, would you speak the word of encouragement to those who are discouraged and struggling God, I pray, would you speak the word of Sabbath rest to those who are just tired and exhausted? And God, I pray, would you speak the word of strengthening and courage, God, to those who are afraid and fearful and full of anxiety? God, would you come? We cannot save ourselves. Only you can bring that healing balm that heals our souls, our wounded and sin-sick souls, God, for ourselves and for our world. And God, we pray that as we receive this gift of grace from you, would you fill us, God, that we might speak that word, God, to our weary world, longing to hear that word of hope. And God, in all this, we pray in the name of the word made flesh, Jesus, your son. Amen. <laughs>